Welcome to Psalm Springs, a podcast dedicated to an open and hopefully inspirational discussion of the biblical book of Psalms. We come to you each week with different aspects and different views of the ancient text and how those texts might inform our lives today. Welcome to another episode of Psalm Springs, where here in the Californian desert, we have conversations, short conversations about different psalms in the book of Psalms, the 150 psalms in the Hebrew Bible, in an attempt to build the bridge between our own lives, our own society, our own culture, and this ancient book of wisdom and prayer of uh, just wonderful, wonderful poetry. Um, today, our guest is Rabbi Shimon Posner of Chabad in Rancho Mirage. And uh, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you. Uh, I've been here in the desert for about 23 years or so um, and enjoy uh, learning the Torah, sharing the Torah. Uh, even more than that, I enjoy seeing other people learning and other people experiencing and realizing that this isn't talking about religion. This is talking about life. This is talking about my life. That's when I know that we're onto something. Right. And when you, Rabbi, Rabbi Posner, when you use the term Torah, you mean um, basically what we would call Yiddishkeit in Yiddish, Judaism, but not just the five books of Moses, right? Uh, not just the five books of Moses. Um, it's interesting, even the word five books of Moses, the Hebrew of it is the five-fifths of Moses. In other words, that it's not five separate books, but it's actually uh, it's actually one book divided into five. Chamisha mm. Chumshei is the Hebrew for it. Uh-huh. And the word Torah itself means direction. Torah Chaim is direction for life. Right. So uh, if we're not seeing the immediacy of this, then we got to look at it again. Uh-huh. And, and so interesting, the Chamisha Chumshei Torah, the five-fifths of the Torah... Uh, that's connected also to the book of Psalms, to Tehillim as well, right? Yeah, the Tehillim, uh, called Psalms uh, in English, uh, has a very special place in, in our heart and in our lives. Um, there is Torah study, and this means learning the five books and learning the prophets and learning the Talmud, um, and the interconnectedness uh, between all of them, of course. Then there is tefillah, which is prayer, which is connection. Uh, so you can say that uh, Torah is taking the wisdom of God and trying to understand it to the best of our ability. Yes, God is infinite. We are not. So there's going to be a discrepancy there. But to the best of our ability, we're going to try and take that wisdom and make it our own. Tefillah which is translated and really mistranslated as prayer, because it's not, it's connection. It's where I am not trying to gain that wisdom, but I'm trying to lift myself up to a place where I am not. Uh, and that really involves amount of struggle, okay? Because I am at a place where I am not because I am not focused. Life is all about purpose. And when I forget my purpose, when I'm not focused on my purpose, I do things that are not purposeful. Mm-hmm. And now I need to bring myself back into a mode of purpose. That's what tefillah, called prayer, is. Mm. Uh, then there is 
uh, Tehillim, which is just reading the Psalms. Now, to be sure, uh, a lot of the Psalms are actually part of the prayer book. But when we say it as part of the prayer book, then uh, it's in a very sophisticated way. We're going through the different gradations of uh, gaining closer insight to God, bringing ourselves to a higher place. With Tehillim, when we're saying those words, it's simply a child reaching out to their parents. That's what it is. It's a very different. It's a, it's a very different type of a cry. You could say then that the prayer, the tefillah, is in the form of a petition. It's well constructed. It's deliberate. It's methodical. And and it needs to be. Otherwise, it's not going to do what it needs to be. It's like it's like climbing a ladder, which is exactly the metaphor that's used. You got to be very careful when you're climbing a ladder. Mm-hmm. You could fall very easily. You could imagine that you're climbing and you're not. You've got to know what you're doing. You've got to really focus on that. With Tehillim, it's a child crying out to their father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the thing is, it's that's that's the thing. The the uh, the insight that psychology has given us recently is that as we grow and as we become more sophisticated. There's a part of us that does not. There's a part of us that's always a three-year-old, a five-year-old, younger, maybe a little older. Think of it, the, 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 the babushka dolls in the, the Russian that you keep on opening and there's another one inside, 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 inside. Well, inside is that tiny little baby. Now, when you come to dad, when you're a sophomore, you say, dad, I need 20 bucks. We need 20 bucks for it. Well, you, you better have your answer down pat. When you're... 18 months old, all you have to say is dada. Okay? So if you're 20 years old and you're saying dada, well, that's not good enough. You've got to really be a little bit more sophisticated and uh, elaborate than that. But there's a part of us that's never growing up. Mm. There's a part of us that's always remaining a small, innocent child. And it's important that we connect with that. And that's what this book is all about. So you'd say in the 150 different tehillim, different psalms in the book of Psalms, there, there are psalms that speak to each part of this development of the human being? Uh, they do. They all speak to all parts of it. But I, I, we're not really talking here about the specifics of any given chapters. We're talking about a dynamic, which is a different than study, Mm-hmm. and different than prayer. And that's just saying the tone for its own sake. In other words, right now, we are studying the Torah. We are studying uh, in particular uh, chapters of the Psalms. True. But, and there's times that this same chapter is used in prayer. That's true, too. Now we're interesting introducing, because it's often overlooked, this third dynamic, mm-hmm. and that's simply the baby crying out to their parent. And so would it be correct to say that in this position that you're presenting here, that one could say these words of the Psalms in Hebrew and not necessarily understand it, but there's still a value to that saying. There is a value. Yeah. There is a value even when you don't understand it, mm-hmm. but the value is increased and there's many other values that are added when there is comprehension. Mm-hmm. So yes, it has value without 
conscious comprehension, but that's not something that can be overlooked. You can't mm-hmm. say, oh, I don't need to understand what it's saying. I accept it on faith. That doesn't work. You've got to understand what it's saying. It's part of climbing that ladder. It's part of climbing that ladder. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mentioned beforehand the five different books of the, of the Torah because there are different ways of dividing the Psalms, and one of them is into five different sections. But in your own practice, um, I know that some people will say a psalm every day. Some people will say the psalms and they finish once a week. They finish once a month. What, do you have a practice yourself? Uh, yeah. The general accepted one is to go through it every month. Mm-hmm. So it's not divided evenly because some of them are very long. Some of them are much shorter. Uh, but within the 29 to 30 days, which is what the Jewish, uh, the, the, the Hebrew calendar comprises, then you're finishing it once a month. And then uh, before the new month begins, um, then we try to recite the whole thing on that Shabbat, the Saturday before. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we're in a very special time, uh, the month preceding the high holidays. And during that time, so uh, we do three chapters a day and we continue that until Yom Kippur when we add more than those three, and with that, we 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 culminate by finishing it uh, an additional time. All right. So, for for those listeners who are not necessarily familiar with this uh, this um, tradition, which is not just part of Chabad Lubavitch uh, or Hasidic uh, Judaism, but but all across uh, certainly more traditional circles in Judaism, you'll 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 travel on a bus in Israel and very often see. Uh, uh, an, uh, older and younger people sitting uh, during the bus ride and chanting to themselves with a little tiny book. Um, so it, it's really across the board. But if, for those that are not familiar with this particular tradition, it, it, it is like, in very much as a lot of parallels to the to practices of meditation that people will do either with mantras, without mantras. It's a it's a daily practice, and um, and the practice itself is thought to build build reserves of strength and energy. Uh, we're in this very special time right now. We're in the middle of the month of Elul, uh, just uh, 10 days before Rosh Hashanah. Th- this period of time is also characterized, uh, Rabbi Posner, by uh, the custom to recite Psalm 27 um, at the end of uh, the morning prayer. And I think in yours, at the end of Mincha, maybe, and other traditions to do it at the end of the evening prayer. Uh, what, what, what can you share with us about this particular psalm, Mizmor um, Kavzain, Psalm 27? Uh, some people have even called it the anthem of, uh, of this high holiday season. Well, it starts off, Lidavid Hashem Eidi, by David, the Lord or God, the Almighty, is my light. And then it says, Viishi. And he is my salvation. Well, light is an excellent, excellent word. It's a metaphor. And that's what wisdom is. Because you go into a totally dark room, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt yourself very, very badly. And if you try and figure out where things are, just by touch and the other senses, uh, you can do a lot of damage to yourself, to the environment, and to everyone that you love. But if someone does something as simple as turns on a light, then all of a sudden everything makes sense and you're doing the right thing. And there's that element of simply uh, 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 understanding 
that wisdom that comes and changes everything. When we have perspective on life, then all of life changes. The message of Rosh Hashanah, if you want to encapsulate it, is purpose. I'm here for a reason. I'm here for a reason, and I have to know what that reason is, and I have to focus on that reason, because there's any number of factors which are going to try and diminish my focus on that purpose. They weren't necessarily arguing because it's an argue that can't be won, but it's very easy to disrupt and dissuade. And that's what I have to, that, that's, but what I'm focusing in on Rosh Hashanah is purpose and that wisdom that there is purpose to life, that is the light. So let me ask you this, the Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, the head of the year, um, it's only once a year. Is this not the kind of work we need to be doing every day, every month of the year? Um, well, let's take this month as the this month preceding Rosh Hashanah. It's called the the month of uh, Elul, which is for accounting. When one really has to really look over their year past. Now, anyone who's run a business knows if you're going to be a, uh, spending all your time on the books rather than running your business, you're not going to have a business. All right. So you've got to have a compartmentalize. You have. Once a day, a short little accounting. Once a week, maybe a little longer. But once a year, that's when you really do your books thoroughly and you see where have we been wasting, where have we been prioritizing, where have we been showing enormous growth. We, we Basically getting to know yourself better. Um, you incorporated, if you want to call it. So yeah, it's a dynamic that's present at all times. But, uh, it, it, but, but here is, this is really the time of that. And it's the best time for that. Uh, one of my favorite lines in this psalm is uh, in Hebrew, "Lecha amali bi bakshu fanai et panecha adonai avakesh." Verse eight: uh, In your behalf, my heart says, "Seek my countenance." Your countenance, Lord, I seek. What? what, are, what how do you understand that? How, how do we seek the face of God? How does God see our face? Well, face can be understood as uh, uh, in, in Hebrew, the word for the innermost and the word for the face is one and the same, panim, panim yut. Uh, I see that uh, you're, you're nodding in agreement because you appreciate the Hebrew. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very deep insight. Um, but we think of uh, fa- the face um, in English, it, the connotation of it is something that is not very deep face value. In Hebrew, it's very much the opposite. Uh, the panim shows what's really uh, going on in the person. You look at a person's face, you could tell if they're delighted or if they're anxious. And you can't tell that by looking at their hand or their elbow. So the, the, the face is telling us something very deep about us. So now, when we are... We recognize that God is everywhere. When we say here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Shema Yisrael, Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai, Echad. Well, the God is one. What? He's not two. He's not seven. He's not uh, Jupiter, Zeus, and, and Mars, and Venus. Well, we know that already. What, 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 what's the big insight? What we're saying is that there is absolutely no force in this world which is not from God. It's totally, thoroughly dependent on God and of God. 
including evil. There is no, there is no power out of God. Only God is hidden there. God is everywhere, but God is hiding everywhere. The Hebrew word for world is olam, which means the world, but it comes from the word la'alim, which means to conceal, to hide. So in other words, God creates the world. In a sense, he's not showing himself, he's hiding himself. And that's why we can look all through the universe, certainly look through the top of the news, the, the headline uh, uh, in any media that we follow, and we see some things that are don't feel anything like God. And here we're calling God Espanecha Hashem Avakesh. I am seeking your your true self. I'm I'm seeking your your face. I want to see God not the way He is hidden. I understand that, but I want to see the way He really is. Um, we were able to see that when God had an address here on earth, and that was the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. It's no, it's no longer there the way that it was. Uh, and that's where the faith, the faithfulness comes in. That, of course, God wants to have an address here, and eventually, he'll, eventually he will have that, uh, that presence here. But we, we're seeking that presence we don't want to be able, we don't want that God should be hidden from us in our day-to-day life. And so in our day-to-day life, now in, in the last 2,000 years that we haven't had a temple in Jerusalem, and uh, for our listeners who are not familiar, uh, in many different types of Orthodox Judaism, Hasidism, of course, is part of that, uh, there's a constant looking forward to the day in which the temple will be rebuilt in the, in the future, whenever that might come, in which the world will be a very different place. That's the Jewish understanding of, of the Messianic time. Um, but in the meantime, though, Rabbi Shimon, what, what, where do we find God's face? Where, where, do you, where do you look for God's face? Excellent question. I, I'd say first that when we say rebuild, that we're looking forward to the rebuilding, it's not a question that we haven't found the right uh, architect or, or, the, or, or the, right, um, the right builder yet. Uh, it, it, it's a spiritual thing. It's, it's God... Uh, again, think of it this way. How could the Roman legions or the Babylonians before them have destroyed God's address here on earth? They're just a bunch of soldiers. They've all been long dead. How could they have done such a thing? Uh, but if you want to look at it this way, we had stopped recognizing it as God's home. And at that point, it just became sticks and stones. We, meaning the, the, the Jewish, Jewish people. people who are living in the land of Israel. Uh, and, and, by, and the fact that it hasn't been rebuilt, it means that we're still, we're not focused. Mm-hmm. We're not focused. And, and, uh, and, uh, and there's a tremendous amount of yearning for something better that we're looking for. And that's part of our Rosh Hashanah experience also, that we were looking for something better. Um, how, do we found, how do we find God's, a face in our daily life when we focus on what our purpose is, and that's a lot of that comes from study. Mm-hmm. Then we say, "Oh, you know something? That's not where I'm at. How do I get there?" Well, then we've already started looking. That's already a very big step forward, and then so we have to start climbing that ladder, becoming more aware, becoming more focused. And the more we're able to focus, then the more we're able to. Let's use that expression, see God's face. But don't expect it to be a eureka moment, Mm. okay? 
Expect more that it's something that you're going to look back at hindsight and say, wow, after all of these months of focusing on appreciating, on studying, and on, on, on introspection, then I've been, now I'm able to look back and say, you know, I have an appreciation that I never had before. And if you're doing that, you're in a good place. I, I, I want our listeners to, to understand fully that in, in the Chabad Lubavitch tradition, it's not just about learning. Learning is a really important part, a central part. Um, and it's not just about davening, that is tefillah, prayer, but it's also doing stuff, right? Uh, well, thank, thank you for bringing that up. Uh, the beginning of uh, the, the beginning of a spiritual journey begins with focusing on someone else's material needs. In other words, when you're able to prepare food for someone who just can't do it themselves for whatever reason, you're concerned with their physical needs. You're not giving them some beautiful understanding of God. You're giving them a warm meal, and that's what our father Abraham did in the desert. He fed hungry people. That's the beginning, not only of their spiritual journey, but that's the beginning of your spiritual journey too. And that can't be overlooked. And thank you for bringing that up because I, we were getting too involved in the other details over here. Well, and there's always I, something you could be forgetting. I look forward to many more conversations, but this has been a great beginning. And, and I want to thank you as a, a rabbi working out here in Coachella Valley for far less time than you've been out here at the presence you've been able to establish and the goodness that you have spread, uh, not just in the Jewish community, but the community at large, you uh, personally working in one of the local prisons and all the other wonderful things you do out here in Rancho Mirage. So we want to thank you for joining us and wish you a k'tiva v'chatima tova. May this be a wonderful preparation of Rosh Hashanah and then Yom Kippur and may a good and sweet year be upon you and your family. Thank you and to you and your listeners. I appreciated this very much. Psalm Springs is a production of Or Hamid Bar, Light of the Desert, an organization dedicated to intellectual, spiritual, and social engagement with the Jewish tradition. We're based in Palm Springs, California. We'd like to give thanks to Madalena Garza for editing and everything else tech-like in this production. Please check us out at www.orhamidbar.org for more information. And if you'd like to sponsor a Psalm Springs episode, you can do so by going to our website. If you like what you've heard, please express it on iTunes, Apple, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.